I'm going to preach. I go, oh, don't roll your eyes, but I am going to preach for a little bit. I feel like I have something that the Lord laid on my heart I'd like to share. And uh, it's on loneliness, and I'd like to uh, share some of it with you. I'm not going to get into the, the long depth message. I'll try to be short as I possibly can. I would like for you to turn your Bibles to the book of John, chapter number four. We're going to look at first the, the woman at the well. And, you know, you can be lonely in a lot of different settings of things. And a lot of people get lonely during Christmas time, during the holidays. They get lonely. They've lost loved ones. Uh, there's empty seats at the table. Uh, and then you start doing things connected to Christmas. You might have memories attached to things. And it can be a hard time for people. And um, I just wanted to look at a few things and maybe the Lord help you speak to your heart a little bit tonight. You can look at John chapter 4, verse 4. Uh, let's see, let's look at verse 5 and 6. John chapter 4, verse 5. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of the ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well. And it was about the sixth hour. Now understand the Jewish hour is different than our hour. Sixth hour means 12 o'clock during the day, the hottest part of the day in Palestine. It's noon hot weather. Brother Jerry Ball, one of our members, went to Kuwait for almost a year. And one day he sent me a picture and said it was, a, it was almost 140 degrees over there. So you can get really hot in some of those areas. So you can imagine uh, the middle hot part of the day. So it's important to keep a uh, note of that. Then in verse number seven, it said, Then cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? See, she was half Jewish and half Gentile, some other race. She was what some might call mixed breed. She might call her a half breed. And the Jews were very harsh towards them many times. And there was no doubt times that she was mistreated. Times that she was, uh, she felt like she was left out. And so she, here, we find that's one of the things that she dealt with and that bothered her. And then later on in the verses, Jesus began to also ask more questions and he told her to go call her husband. She said, I have no husband in verse 17. He said, Yah, well said, thou have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands. So she'd been married five times, living with someone now. And so there's a lot of things going on in this lady's life. And the Bible says in verse number, um, let's see where we are. Uh, verse four, look at that real quick. And he must needs go through Samaria. The Bible stated that Jesus had to go through Samaria when he could have went some other way. But on purpose, he went there, I believe, this day to meet this woman. And he sat on the well, even though he was tired in his own physical body, waiting on her. And I want to think about that in the terms of what I'm trying to preach on a little bit tonight is loneliness. There is loneliness in many people's lives. I want you to see here in this verse a connection here of her relationships. Loneliness was, was a part of her life because of personal problems in relationships. Probably not one person here that does not relate to that in some way. 
But I know that especially to the children's home, there are a lot of relationships, problems, and broken things, broken homes, broken promises, and things like that that they have no doubt dealt with, and even the workers have as well. But there's not really many homes anymore that's not had some kind of touch of, of something broken, something, something uh, gone wrong along the way. And those family connections, whether it's an in-law, if it's an outlaw, or if it's an ex-this or an ex-that, or a half-sister, half-brother, or step, or whatever, they're all part of that family, that connection, relationships, and yet if it's, if it's hurt and there's harm and there's heartbreak there, if there's uh, problems there, you can have all that going on and still feel lonely. Still feel lonely in the midst of all that. And you can experience that no matter how many relationships that you seek and have in your life. Many, I don't know, I'm not a psychiatrist, a psychologist, I'm barely a preacher, try to be a pastor. But when it comes to this, I dig in and thinking, after all those relationships, she kept trying, hoping the next one would be better. But you never seem to find one that worked out. We don't know the need. Many times the men in this culture here, they just throw the women to the side. They could divorce them for burning their bread. And that's true. There's bad culture in many ways when it comes to that because of the hardness of their heart. We don't know what she dealt with, but she, we also knew that she knew that there were racial tensions between her and the Jewish people. And there were some things she dealt with. No doubt she had some, some shame in her heart and her life. So she went at the hardest, hottest part of the day to draw water so she could have it for her home or her household or her, her livelihood and maybe for herself and the man she was living with at that time. She didn't come in the morning when it was cooler, when it would be easier, when other most women would come around to draw the water. She came when she would be by herself and not be bothered. Many times people, we, we use that as a reason. I just don't like to be bothered. I don't want want to be around people. Many times it's because people bother us. People hurt us. And there are relationships that are in our past that cause that hurt and that pain. I want, to, I want you to notice real quick. I'm trying to hurry. Notice in verse number seven, Jesus spoke to her first. He didn't wait for her to speak. No doubt she probably wouldn't have said a word. But he opened up the conversation first and began to dig deeper and deeper into her life. And she began to talk and interact with him and I believe this tells us that she needed someone to talk to. She needed someone to listen to her. She wanted to connect with someone, someone to acknowledge her. And he, in these verses, has begun to talk to her and tell her the truth and tell her importance that she needed living water in her life. As he began to do that, I believe she understood that she really mattered to him. And if you could go away from here tonight somehow knowing that you really mattered to Jesus, that could be one of the best truths you could gather in your heart, that he really cared cares about you. He sat down on that well and waited, waited for her. And then, of course, you know the story. She, she's there and they're talking and discussing things. He talks about that, that living water, amen. He could have a, she could have real living water, not the water that's in the well, but living water, spiritual water inside of her. And he began to ask, how are you going to draw water when you don't have a way to get that water? And, and he began to talk about how the fact that he was the Messiah and, and revealed those things. He says in verse 26, a real plain statement about the Messiah. He said, I that speak unto thee am he plainly speaks to her and reveals that to her. Well, the Bible says in verse 27, uh, then, upon, then came upon, uh, upon this came his disciples and marveled that he taught with the woman. You know, they were, they were Jewish and they didn't, they didn't even understand why he was sitting there talking to this Samaritan woman and, and uh, they didn't understand that. And then that he talked with the woman, they said, yet no man said, what seekest thou or why talkest thou with her? 
And the Bible said, verse 28, I love this, Brother Donnie, the Bible says the woman left her water pot. The very thing, the reason she was there to get water, to carry water back, she had forgotten all about it after having a conversation with Jesus when he had helped her understand that he had really cared about her. I believe that symbolizes that she had believed upon him and trusted in him as that Messiah, as that living water. And the Bible says she left her water pot and went into the city and she went to the men. Now, I don't know if she went to all those ex-husbands that she had or maybe somebody else, but she went to those men of that city and said, come see a man which told me all things ever I did is not this, what he say? The Christ. Boy, she found something. I've heard preachers say when she went to look for the water and left with the whole well, amen? Now around here, mine's a little bit more aggravating than that. I call it, she's got indoor plumbing now, amen? She's got living water. She went home with living water inside of her. When all the things that were out of control, broken relationships, all the symbolism that that, that is in life, here she comes by herself in a time where she would almost be guaranteed that no one else would be there so she could be left alone in her loneliness, it's a dangerous place to be left there. It's exactly where the devil wants you to stay so he can hurt you and destroy you and pull you away and make you get more depressed and make you think no one cares about you. But if you could get your eyes on the cross of Calvary to know that Jesus loved you and died for you, it proves to you that someone does care about you. And here Jesus was willing to be there to talk with her and to listen to her and dialogue with her and begin to tell her the truth that she needed and she went away with such joy even so excited she just left her water pot down there and went on down to tell everybody that she had met the Christ. And I hope that you can understand that the Lord wants you to come to him and he reaches out to you first through the word of God, through the spirit of God to draw you if you're not saved tonight or if you, you know that you're saved but you understand what it is to have relationship problems and things that have maybe a no fault of your own that have shattered your world around you and have caused so many things to go wrong in your life and you feel separated, alienated, you feel lonely, you feel like nobody gets it, nobody understands, I want to challenge you to look to the Lord. I believe he does understand. I believe he took time to care to show that he did. I want you to turn quickly to the book of Mark, chapter number 5. That's probably the fastest point I've ever preached in my, mind, my life. Mark chapter number five. This is the time where there was a woman with an issue of blood. And what that meant was she had a disease where she would bleed and they couldn't stop the bleeding. And in the Old Testament, especially the book of Leviticus, if you had such an issue of blood, be like having leprosy or some kind of disease where you many times will be separated and exiled from your family. You kind of get pushed out of the things of society. And she had gone to doctor after doctor after doctor. The Bible said she went to many physicians. Now, the Bible says when we open up here with verse 24, Jesus went with him and much people followed him and thronged him. He was going with another man whose daughter, Jairus' daughter, was in bad situation. And uh, he, he asked him to come and, and touch her. So he's walking with someone else's need and, and ministering, getting ready to minister to them when someone else comes along and tries to uh, reach out to touch the Lord Jesus Christ. And here this woman had, had this bleeding disease for 12 years. And in uh, Mark 5.26, it said, had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered but rather grew worse. And I see this woman with the issue of blood and the Bible says when, when 
Jairus came, there's a lot of people around. There was a big crowd of people. And they were thronging him and touching him, but, but it was different. They were bumping into Jesus, but she, in her mind, decided somehow, some way, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. Others were touching him and bumping into him, but she believed by faith that she could just touch the hem of his garment. She could be healed from this disease that she had. And I want to point out this thought. You can be lonely even in the middle of a crowd. You can have a huge crowd of people around you and feel as lonely as you've ever felt in your life. And they could be people all around bumping into this one and bumping into that one. And, and they're just people everywhere. But inside you feel empty and lonely. What she needed was someone to help her know that she was there. She was about to come in here and just sneak through all this crowd carrying on. And just reach in there and just touch that hem of his garment. And she believed somehow that he would heal her and she could go on her way in her loneliness. Somehow the Lord in this story reminds us that he felt her, amen. He, he, he connected with her, acknowledged her presence. And so many people feel lonely because no one will acknowledge that they were even there, even came, and even went. Which is the thing that seems like that's what she wanted, but that's really not what she needed in her life. She needed to touch him by faith. And she needed to know, know somehow that she had touched him by faith. And the Bible says in the scripture that uh, when she touched him, because she said, verse 28, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway when she did it, the fountain of her blood was dried up. She was healed instantly. And the Bible says in verse 30, Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue or power had gone out of him, turn about in the press, which means there was always people pressing him. You ever see a big crowd of people? I know some of y'all real famous. Y'all go around with the paparazzi and, the, and all the, you know, the, the reporters. You just see a crowd moving and pressing the whole thing through. He turned around in the middle of that press and stopped and looked. And he said, who touched my clothes? Verse uh, in Luke chapter number eight, verse 45, same story. He says this, who touched me? And everybody denied. Like, oh, I didn't touch you. We didn't touch you. Verse 31, the Bible says, the disciples said unto him, thou seest the multitude thronging. Boy, it's different when you're thronging him and just bumping into him. A lot of people just bump into the things of God, bump into church, bump in things this morning. You're just kind of here, just bumping in. But boy, there's this something special about saying, by faith, I am really going to reach out to touch Jesus. And I'm going to expect him to acknowledge that I am there. I'm going to expect him to touch me and help me as she has hoping that he would heal her of her disease. And he did heal her of that disease. He calls, the Bible says he looked round about to see. And the woman, verse 33, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, she came down and fell before him and told him all the truth. And then verse 34, the Bible said, he said unto her, daughter. Boy, she comes into this story as a certain woman and she's going to leave with a new identity as a daughter in the, in the name and the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't think it could be acknowledged any greater, any deeper than that. To know, boy, he really feels the, the infirmities that I have. He understands what I'm going through. And I hope maybe if you're feeling lonely in your places that you are, the crowd that you're a part of, even these young kids could feel in that, in that. Listen, some of you have maybe six or seven kids, and some of you have had two children in your home, and some of you have had one, some of you never had kids, but you grew up with uh, a lot of brothers and sisters, a lot of siblings. But that's a pretty good crowd of kids there. 
to have in the home. But some of those kids could be in that crowd and still feel very empty, very lonely, especially in some of the circumstances that they've been through. I encourage you uh, to understand that, listen, he does know you exist. He knows you're here. He cares about you. And he wants you to know that he feels your presence in the room around him. All those other people, only one person touched him. Really by faith touched him after so many thronged him and bumped into him. Only one by faith really got his attention. And he turned to meet her and speak to her. And he, he and the Bible says, uh, verse 36, he said, be not afraid, only believe. What a beautiful, beautiful thought that's connected there in this scripture. Daughter, verse 34, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. He brings a wholeness. He fulfills our fractured life. And the word whole means he puts everything together. And I can tell you the Lord did that for my life. He, he saved me and changed my life. I, I don't necessarily relate in every aspect of this, these stories here. But I know what it's like to know that it seems like no one knows you're there. And it seems like that you, you're not on the radar, you're not on the map, you don't exist. And you can just slip in and slip out and no one will even know. Boy, I'm glad Jesus did not let her do that. He, she couldn't leave without him knowing she was there. And I'll tell you, he's the same to you if you'll reach out to him by faith. He can save you, give you purpose of your life. And you can go from being just that generic certain woman to being a daughter of the king. And that's, I believe that's a message that the Lord one of the messages he wants to pass, pass along to you tonight. He wants to make you feel seen and makes you understand that you're there. And he wants to know that, and this, not just to leave you like you are in your sin, but to change your life and give you a purpose, a heavenly purpose. And her faith touched him and his power touched her. And last of all, I want you to turn to the book of Luke, chapter 19. Luke 19. Story of Zacchaeus. Y'all remember the little song? The wee little man. Wee little man was he. You know, Zacchaeus was a publican, which means he was a tax collector. And many times people would use his name and the thought of being a sinful person or a sinner. They would call them publicans and sinners. And he had great power. And in Luke 19, we give this story here. In verse number one, Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. Now, maybe not many of you can relate to being rich and being lonely. I don't know too many people that are rich. <laughs> I know way more that are poor and lonely. But I know some people can be rich, and it seems like they, they, they have a loneliness about them. I remember uh, also connection to power in your life. Many people who have positions of power sometimes feel lonely because people don't know how to relate to them. How many of you have ever been real good buddies with your boss? Not doesn't happen too often, does it? I remember we had a man at the work. I used to work at a furniture store. He come into town. He was a regional operations manager over 50, 60 different stores. And when he come into town, he stayed in a hotel and he went by himself to eat and he did all those things by himself. Even if he went out to the bars or whatever he was doing, he was just alone the whole time. And one time I you know what? I got a little frog. I said, hey, there's a tent revival. Phil Kidd's preaching down the road. I mean, that's a good one to pick for somebody never heard preaching before in their life. Amen. And uh, I invite him to go with me. And he said, you know what? I think I will go with you. Not too many people invite me to things. 
Many times people who are chief or in high positions, seems like they just kind of get lonely. They get left to the side. It's like people can't relate to them or they think that, that maybe they're not relatable and they, you know, oh, they, don't, they wouldn't want to go. I asked him, all he could do by the mic is telling me no. And he went to the tent revival and us crazy independent Baptists are singing and shouting and people are running around and acting crazy, amen. And, and then Phil Kidd gets up there and acts crazier than all of us because he really was crazy preacher way back in the 90s. And I remember that old red song book. We used to, we, we still got one copy here. And there was that man, I remember his name today, holding those songs, looking around, smiling, watching us crazy Baptists. And he watched us shout and sing and, and there were biker gangs there to come here, Phil Kidd, because he, he just had a way of, he's kind of like the Barry Spears of this modern day. And, and then he, would, he got up there and preached his testimony and, and he didn't get saved, but he heard the gospel and we got done, got through. He said, thank you for inviting me to go to that. And I gave him some cassettes and, and then next thing I know, a few months later, he, he ended up changing jobs, went to a different company. And if I had not took, took time he would have been left alone in his loneliness and would have never heard the gospel, never even had an opportunity to hear the gospel because many times there are people that are lonely because of their position and power. People just don't want to relate to them. That's a shame that we think that, but sometimes people do. Now, he was a publican, which also meant that he had power to collect taxes. Now, these young people don't relate to taxes too much, but us older ones understand what it is to have taxes. And they say in this day, somebody like Zacchaeus, the Bible says he was small of his stature, which he might have been short. And many times short people have attitudes. They get tired of getting picked on because they're short by tall people. And they get a little cocky sometimes and they act like, you know, uh, I'm just going to. I'm just going to get in people's face and I'm just, going to, I'm just going to take it to the streets. And that's what sometimes short people do. Well, he ended up getting power with that attitude as a tax collector. And they say in this modern day when he had Roman authority to go with bodyguards or people to help him, he could go door to door and collect tax money if he needed to. And many times these publicans were very corrupt and they would charge more than they should and the people couldn't do anything about it. So the Jews hated Publicans, and he was the chief of them all. And he had a bad, bad, a bad, what we call rep, rep, uh, rep, as they say, a bad testimony in the community. And the Bible says this man Zacchaeus was chief among the publicans and he was rich. Verse three, the Bible said he sought to see Jesus. He got it on his mind. He had heard about him and he wanted to meet Jesus. And the Bible says he wanted to know who he was in verse three. And he could not, for the press, there's that crowd again, a big group of people. Sometimes, even though people are big in some positions and different settings, they're the smallest one there. And they can still feel alone and kind of distant. And he was little of stature and he couldn't get around the big crowd. So he ran before, ran up, must have had some good speed. Most short people can flat fly if they want to. And he's just moving on there real fast and he climbs up in a sycamore tree to see him to see Jesus for he was to pass that way almost like a parade brother Carl as crowds coming through there he's up in the tree all by himself nobody's there with him uh, he's not on his job working this day he's just kind of in his own little lonely little place up in that tree and the Bible said when Jesus came to the place in verse 5 he looked up Jesus knew he was there Zacchaeus needed someone to see him and Jesus saw him in that tree. 
Some people, they, they are lonely in so many different ways and there's so much more that we could say tonight. But I want to tell you, Jesus sees you. He cares about you. He sees you in that situation that you're in, even a man of his position and his power and everybody would throw his name in with all the sinful categories of people and they hated the publicans and the tax collectors as they called them because they did abuse their power. But Jesus saw him and he tells him as he looked up and he said unto him, Zacchaeus, isn't that amazing he knows your name? I believe he knows all of our names. He said, make haste and come down. For today I must, for today I must abide at thy house. Of all the people he could have went home with, he's going to go home with Zacchaeus. And the Bible said he made haste and came down. I don't know if he jumped all the way out from all the limbs. I don't know if he skimmed down real fast like that, but he made haste. And the Bible said he came down and received him joyfully. And if you can get to that point, that may be why some of you are lost. You've never gotten saved. You can't get past certain things. You may uh, accept certain things. And the Bible says this, or you're a sinner and he needs to be the one that saves you. You need to repent. You need grace. But there's something holding you back. I don't know what it might be, but there's just some place where you just will not receive this truth or receive Jesus joyfully. But Jesus is the best thing that ever happened in my life. And listen, you can be a Christian and still feel alone at sometimes, but the one that can fix that is the Lord Jesus Christ because he'll live inside of you and abide with you forever and he promises in his word he will never leave us or forsake us. We don't walk alone even sometimes when we might feel alone. And that presence can just be magnified where you know that he's there. The Bible says here he received him joyfully and when there were others that saw it, they all murmured saying, he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. You know he got saved when his bank account got saved with him, amen. He said, I'm gonna give half of what I got to the poor when he didn't care about anybody before. And he even says, if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, which you know he had, he said, I'll restore him fourfold, which means four times. Can you imagine him knocking on doors with them big fellas in a couple of weeks, coming to your house? My name is Zacchaeus. I know who you are. What do you want now? I just want to know I got saved. I met Jesus. He changed my life. And I'm going to pay you four times what I took from you. Well, that would shake up the whole town of Jericho a little bit. Amen. Jesus knows how to change people's lives. You can't ignore what he did in Zacchaeus' life. You can't ignore the repentance and the fruits of what took place in his life, how he desired to do what was right and to try to make things right with other people. But there yet, that one scene I can't help get away from, he climbs up in that tree by himself thinking somehow he could just see Jesus and kind of find out a little bit more about who he was and he would just pass by and no one would ever know he was up in that tree. But Jesus stood still, stopped one time again and looked up exactly where he was and saw him. Listen, it's important to be seen. We need to be acknowledged that we're here. This world's trying to tell you you don't exist. You don't, you don't matter. You're just going to live and die and turn to dust. But the Bible teaches that he is your creator. He cares for you. He's your redeemer. He died for you. And the Bible teaches in these stories and many like it that he cares about you. 
He wants to let you know he felt your need. You reached out to him by faith. He wants you to know he'll take time to stop in his life to listen to you. And here he looked up and acknowledged that Zacchaeus was there. Even though nobody cared about him, everybody wrote him off as the worst sinner all around. Jesus said, I'm going to your house today. What a savior that we have. And he goes, when he goes to your house, it's hard to be alone when he spends some time in the house of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll tell you, I've lost my mom, my dad, I've lost my sister all within a seven-year period when I was in my 40s. And that's real old to some of you I know. Y'all think, man, he's old. My goodness. That's a lot of people to lose in your life. And many holidays and things like that. My dad died the day before my birthday. My family went on the camping trip we had planned for months. And they all went up to set up the campers. And I stayed at home by myself on my birthday looking through old pictures of my family when my dad's there in the funeral home. And I wept and I cried. And then the presence of God filled up that room. And I, listen, I went from feeling alone to never feeling like I had someone in my life more than I had any other time ever. I felt the joy of the Lord, the strength of the Lord. I felt him put his arm around me. And that's the time when the devil would love to have destroyed me and beat me down and cause me maybe to even have thoughts of taking my own life. But I'm glad the Lord came in there and said, here I am, I'm with thee. I, peace, be still. And I began to rejoice about the presence of God what he had done in my life, and the good memories came to mind. Not all negative thoughts. He changed the whole atmosphere of the room, and all I was was by myself, yet he was with me. He was near. And I'm glad I know the true presence of the Lord. I want to ask our song, our piano player, to come play something for us, Sister Tonda, if you don't mind. And I want you to take these few thoughts. I know that some of it was hurried, and, uh, but I know God's word won't return unto him void. And I know I felt like God wanted me to say a few things. I know we've got people in our church that are adults that have lost loved ones in their family. They are struggling so hard to get over. And these kids break my heart knowing some of these stories. And you can go through these holidays and Christmas and some people look like they're just jolly elves and everything's going well. But behind it all, they're heartbroken and they're lonely. I might be encouraging tonight. Jesus is waiting on you at the well. Jesus wants you to reach out and touch him today. He sees where you are. If you'll just step out by faith, you'll find a friend in Jesus like you've never had in anyone else. And I promise you, when the Bible says he will never leave you or forsake you, I have found that to be true in what was the most loneliest time of my life. And listen, my family didn't forsake me. I told them to go on and set up the camper. We'll, we'll try to figure it out later. And we'll figure out funeral arrangements later and all that. And boy, that moment hit me. And I felt so lonely for that few minutes there. And then the Lord said, I, I got to go down there and show him that I know he's there. I got to go down there with him and acknowledge. And I got to make sure my presence is real and manifested. So Brian knows that I'm real and knows that I'm there. And I'm so glad he did that in my life. Because at a time when I was lonely, even though I was saved, I needed to know that I mattered to him. I needed someone with me. And his presence was so real. I want every head bowed, every eye closed. Nobody looking around, no adults looking around. I don't want let these kids have respect. You respect each other, young people as well. Anybody here's a preacher? I feel this. I feel so lonely. Nobody looking around. Did you raise your hands and preach? I feel so lonely. I 
feel like nobody cares. Yes, sir. I don't feel like really nobody gets me and understands me. Would you reach out by faith to touch the Lord Jesus Christ? Would you maybe let somebody pray with you coming out of this altar and show you some scriptures? Maybe you need to be saved. Maybe you just need to be reassured of your salvation. Maybe you need some scriptures to, to encourage you to know that the Lord is there and he'll never leave you and he'll walk with you. And if you're saved, his presence abides and lives within you. Maybe there's some sin in your life that has separated you from God. And that's why you feel so distant and lonely. Maybe you need to get that thing straight. And rededicate your life to the Lord. And commit, I'm going to walk with him day by day, step by step. And if you are feeling alone, I want you to understand on the cross of Calvary that day, Jesus began to talk to his heavenly father. He called him father over and over and over on the cross. Many sayings he cried out, father. But there was a time finally when he had to become the sacrifice to take away the sins of the world. And God had to turn his back on his only begotten son. And he could no longer call him father. And he says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus was forsaken of his own father and felt the loneliness no one in this world could even understand and relate to except for Jesus. And on that cross, he was forsaken so that you and I would never have to be. He took loneliness so that you and I would never have to be alone again. And I thank God for our Savior who understands us in our loneliness. Well, if you are, I hope that you'll turn to the Lord in that problem, that heartbreak, that, that sadness that you might feel try to look unto him and touch him and ask him to help you and heal you and save you and touch your life. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this, these young people, Lord, and others that have paid great attention tonight, Lord. They've focused and they've listened. I pray you'll take this word and speak to their heart. Lord, there may be somebody here so, so very, very lonely and they're just hiding behind it all again. God, I pray in this crowd and this this thing that all they'll be going on tonight, Lord, that you'll speak to their heart, help them to turn and turn to you. And Lord, that you touch their heart and encourage them and heal them, Lord, and make them feel comfortable, make them feel comfort again. Lord, strengthen them and help them to know that they are not alone in the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray.